From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 156. Today's show is brought to you by Text Expander, Fresh Books, and Encapsula. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Mr. Federico Vatici. Ciao, Federico. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm good. Welcome back. How was your Thank you. How was your vacation, Federico? It's been it's been great, uh, but I I do miss a working internet connection. Um, mm. So today I'm back in Rome for reasons that we'll get to in a minute. Um, uh, but I'm back on Wi-Fi, and it's really nice um, to have the ability to, for example, open web pages. You know, you start missing those things um, while you're at the beach. <laughs> So as we record this today, which is the 21st of August, 2017, there's going to be a, an eclipse in America today. Um, and I can't remember what type of eclipse it is, Federico, so I won't I say it, it. I think it's a total eclipse. Yeah, let's go with that. We'll call it total eclipse. See, the thing is, I'm scared that that's not the exact term that you should use. So that's why I didn't say it. Right? Like, so, I know... Uh, uh... The moon I watched will pass this in video. front of the sun and it will be completely, yeah. you know, and I know they're talking about totality, but I just, I was scared to say the name. So I watched this video on Mashable um, and they mentioned this term called annular eclipse, mm. uh, which mm. means uh, from Latin, it means like there's like a ring around the sun mm. because the, the moon is covering the sun. So you kind of see this ring of light. Maybe it's the correct terminology is annular eclipse. Uh I don't know, could be, you know, science, who knows? So I say this because uh, our intrepid co-host, Stephen Hackett, he's actually in Nashville, I think, today um, to see the eclipse. And he's putting together, along with Jason Snow, his co-host on Liftoff, they're, they're, like, they're recording a special episode um, about the eclipse, like about their kind of experience of going to see it, and then they're going to talk about it. So I'll put a link in our show notes to Liftoff so you can go and... Uh, you can go and get that if you want to. Um, so, yeah, so you should go listen to it. So that's where he is today. So it's just me and Stephen today. But I do have some Stephen-related follow-up, which I think is interesting. Uh, remember last week's episode, uh, Stephen was unhappy that mm -hmm. he had not yet received return labels from Logitech? Yeah. Yeah. They have sent them. So he's received oh, his yay. return <laughs> labels, and he has sent his Logitech Circle camera off in the mail um, so th they're on, they're on their way back to Logitech. So he's very happy about that. Perfect. That that's good news. And also, I wanted to just mention something that I think is very cool and way overdue um, as a piece of follow up because we spoke about it on this show before. We've we've complained a lot about it on this show. Um, Slack for iOS gains quick replies to notifications. So now when you <sighs> get a, I think it's just a direct message on Slack. Um, you get a reply button and you can reply on your Apple Watch or from notifications. Yeah, I was very happy to see this in the in the beta um, channel of Slack. And, you know, uh, I saw it on the App Store with a public release. I'm, I'm really happy because I, I'm not sure it's just for DMs. I think it's also for channels. Um, at least I think we replied to a channel with the MacStories team. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's just nice to not having to load uh, the full Slack app which, you know, can be a little slow. Um, uh, it's nice to have the option to reply straight from a, from a notifi notification, either from the iPhone or from the watch. Uh, also on the iPad, yeah. it's nice. You can expand, type away with a, with a, uh, yeah. you know, with a keyboard, mm -hmm. yeah. See, because I always found it so frustrating. And, like, <laughs> if I would get a message that just required yes, right? Just the word yes. 
and I would have to get my phone out of my pocket, right, and st- and like open it. Hopefully, I'm in the right Slack team. You know, like it was all just so frustrating. When on my Apple Watch, I could just hit a thing, or I could send an emoji, or whatever, right? Like, it, so now I'm happy that I can do that because that is just a way better uh, method of replying to some some questions or some comments that I would receive. Yeah, it it, it would still be nice to have both options. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I would like to have ideally like a menu that has four options. So three options are emoji like my most used emoji reactions on Slack, for example. And the fourth one is a button that says type a reply. And when you tap the button, the keyboard comes up. So I would like to have both. When I expand the Slack notification, either I send a quick emoji or I actually type a message. But, uh, you know, I'll take whatever Slack offered, which is just the keyboard, and that's fine. Um, I want to just extend a quick thank you to everybody who has become a relay fm member to support this show or any of our shows um who've then they've all got access to some special bonus content you can sign up at relay.fm slash membership uh we're doing some fun bonuses throughout august and into september so there's loads of great bonus episodes i know that you and fraser are working on something for canvas um there's some great ones out already uh for example the hosts of reconcilable differences and dubai friday got together to do a special episode which i am so excited to listen to um, there is a special crossover of Cortex and Upgrade going live kind of um, sometime this week. Um, I won't say the date just yet, but it should be later this week, uh, where we do another text adventure called Spooky Manor. These things are all and only available to Relay FM members. Go sign up at relay.fm slash membership, and you'll get everything you need to listen to these fantastic bonus episodes. Now, Federico, a couple of days ago, you sent me and Steven a concerning image <laughs> would you like uh, to explain uh, the image that you saw that I will of course include in the show notes for our dear connected listeners well first I think the fact that your first reply was is that a 12.9 or a 10.5 mm-hmm. was concerning to me uh, because y- you couldn't you couldn't see that it was the big iPad um, no because your hands are so like huge that is that is not true it's I a normal s- normal size hand you have uh. said many times on the show that you have big hands <laughs> also as well the, the the image that you sent like the edges of the iPad are cut off so like it is smaller like it, when okay. I kind of just looked at it and I just saw everything kind of in proportion it looked mm-hmm. like a small a small uh, iPad to me. Uh, so it's a picture of an iPad, and we're looking mm-hmm. down on the iPad at the lightning port, which is right in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then something terrible is happening. And it's bent. Uh, yeah. It's a, there's a slight V-shape to this iPad, uh, which I, I have no idea how this happened. This is the m- most concerning part to me, that I was at the beach. So for the past three weeks, I've been following the uh, this routine wake up in the morning, walk the dogs, come back home, have breakfast, get an hour of riding done, go to the beach, um, relax for a while, then go under the umbrella and take the iPad out, get some more riding and editing done, go back home, rinse and repeat every single day. Um, I've been trying to work at night, but usually I'm too tired because, I, you know... Uh, taking care of the dogs and everything. It's a very long day. Um, Mm -hmm. And also, you know, staying in the sun every day, it gets tiring after a while on your body. But basically, I'm exhausted. I know that it's a good type of exhaustion, but I'm still tired. Um, So it's not like I I subjected this iPad to any particular pressure. 
Um, but the other day I was at the beach, I was uh, laying back and I was looking, at, I was reading through a draft of my uh, iOS review. And I noticed that something about the screen was odd. Sort of like, I was like, this screen looks like 3D to me. I don't know. I, I, I didn't even pay attention to it, but it's like, this screen is, looks funny. And I just assumed that it was the direct sunlight that had some kind of weird effect on the interface. Then I go back home and I'm using the iPad in the living room. And I know, and I, and I wasn't using the iPad with the physical keyboard, so I was using the software keyboard. Mm-hmm. And I noticed clearly that the screen was curved, mm-hmm. and so I was like, mm. "So <laughs> I edge uh, to edge." <laughs> it was like there was a curve in the middle of the screen. It's like mm, I I don't like this. It was a matter of twenty seconds. So I was like, mm, "What is going on here?" I pick up the iPad, I turn it over, and I look at it from the profile, as you can see in the picture, and it's bent. So like, so if anybody that hasn't seen the picture or can't see the picture, I'll, I'll kind of explain it to you a little bit. Um, so what, what we have here is the, the left side of the iPad from the lightning port to the left, if you're looking at it from the from like that top-down view. It's bent at an angle maybe like five degrees or so. Um, mm-hmm. It's not huge. It might be a little less than that. Like it's it's, but it is noticeable, right? Like you look at it, and it, it's like if you put the the um the iPad face down on a table and pressed on the one end, it would wobble around, right? Like it yeah, would pick yes. up and, and lay down again. So like it yeah. is it is not huge. Hence why I assume the iPad is still in complete working order, but oh, it yeah. is very noticeable and concerning. It's very noticeable. Uh, this can't have been an easy thing to do. Right? Exactly, exactly. So um, we have no idea how this happened. So the iPad is still working, the display is fully working. There's some light leaking from the edge uh, oh, where God. the home button is. Uh-huh. So like you can see some light leaking uh, from the home button bezel um, into the wallpaper, basically. Um, but we have no idea how this happened. Uh, so we have two theories, either... Um, by accident, uh, when I was keeping the iPad in the bag uh, during one of our trips to the beach, some other bag was placed on top of mine and caused this problem. Hmm. Or I don't remember this, but maybe I, while I was at the beach, I either accidentally sat on the iPad or fell asleep with the iPad under my seat, but th- th- I don't believe that because I, I never do that. I don't fall asleep with my iPad. What so, type of bag was it being kept in? It's a Tom Bean uh, shoulder bag. Yes, because I'll tell you what, I, were you wearing it? The bag? Um, what do you mean? Like, did you have it? Were you holding the bag? Was it Was it you? Was it you on, on your shoulder? Yeah. Okay, because what I would assume looking at this is if I was going to try and guess what I think happened... It looks like it was maybe in the bag and you leant against something. Mm. Right? You know who we need. You know who we need. We, we need Dr. Drang. We need Dr. Drang to help us. To take a look at this iPad. Yeah, and to tell you what is wrong, what happened here. <laughs> to, take, to take a look at the, the stress test for the aluminum bag and see what's going on. Something, I mean, something's happened. I mean, so I would just say on this, like... No, that's actually the, a good idea. That's like what, what you mentioned, that I was leaning against something... Mm-hmm. As the iPad was into the bag and the bag was on my shoulder. Yep, and you pressed maybe, against it. 
and then mm. it's 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 kind of bent it a little bit because but, that would make sense to me. Like I worry about that when whenever I carry around the twelve point nine, I worry about doing this exact thing. It's just funny that it never happened to me. At least in two years of iPad Pro usage, but really in seven years of iPad, this never ever happened to me. This is the first time that this issue occurred, and I've had problems with you know mm. the mm-hmm. home button or you know, the display, but not this, not like this mechanical problem of bending an iPad. I think we can both say that neither of us are like thinking that this is a manufacturing or structural issue of the iPad in general. Like, because of course this is a thing that is possible, right? Like, of course this is possible. The thing is so big, of course you could bend it. But I am completely understanding for you that if I was in this situation... And I like took my iPad out of my bag, and it was bent. I would be horrifically concerned yes. about how did I do this, and yep. how can I stop myself from doing it again? Yeah, exactly. This is bad uh, my, news. Exactly. The my main problem is not that this happened because Apple is going to replace it for forty nine. Yeah, you should euros. mention this. You have Apple yeah. Care, and you went to the Apple Store. Not only I have Apple Care Plus. Oh well, sorry. And the the thing with Apple Care Plus is that even if you know with accidental damage, uh, because this was uh, considered accidental damage on my on oh, my yeah, side, of course. right? Um, yeah, of course. Instead of here, this instead of paying um, something like five hundred and thirty euro, five hundred and fifty euros for a replacement, mm-hmm. I only gotta pay forty nine. And that's the excess, isn't it? It's like, basically yeah, that's the fee for for any replacements and such. That's the fee for any replacement on Apple Care Plus. It's forty nine euros instead of having to pay the full price of a unit replacement. Uh, just forty nine, and I have this type of warranty until twenty nineteen, uh, thanks to the magic of Apple Care Plus. Um, so that's not really my problem. I mean, I'm happy that Apple is going to replace it. I went to the Genius Bar yesterday. They were super kind and they told me I got to wait five to six days because it's not in stock. Uh, but that's not my problem. Because um, you still have a working device, right? I still have a working device. It does, now that I know this, I can stop looking at the at the curve of the screen. But it really what concerns me the most is how did I do this? You know? Because if I, if I, it would have been better from this point of view, if I just dropped the iPad. Or if you I fell kn- on it, right? Like you tripped, yeah. you were holding it, you fell on it, you stand up, the iPad's bent. You're like, oh, look at what yeah, I did. I, I know what I did, right? Instead, this sort of just happened. There's a flaw in your system somewhere. There's a flaw somewhere, either in the way that I put things in my bag or, you know, maybe, maybe someone else in the house bent the iPad and they just didn't tell me. Do you think but it's possible do, that there could be somebody nah. in your life that's very upset about the review and they just took the iPad and they were like, bend the iPad, right? We had enough of this. Are you Maybe saying one I of should the dogs. ask Sylvia? I was, I was thinking more about the dogs, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, who knows? Sylvia <laughs> could, be, could be implicated in this. I feel like you need to launch a full-scale investigation, Federico. How would I investigate my relatives, though? Like With great might. Have, a, have them sit down at, mm-hmm. at the living room table? Yeah. Shine a light in their face. Shine a light on their face. Tell uh-huh. me you did it. Uh, like yeah. Uh, yeah. you need alibis. You need you need alibis <laughs> for everybody. <laughs> Who's gonna do good cop, bad cop with me though? You can do both of them. <laughs> you know, you Play put on parts. a hat or something and then a mustache. <laughs> and you, you turn around, take them off, and then you good cop. 
<laughs> we just put makeup on one and a half of my face and then yeah. I just switch profiles. Exactly. I mean, seriously, Federico, have you never had a family investigation before? Come on. This no, is how you not do before. these things. <laughs> no, no, not before. So, um, quick aside, I just tried to do the uh, iCloud backup and restore with iOS 11. Um, I also did a backup with iTunes because I, uh, you know, there was the possibility that Apple would replace the iPad yesterday. They didn't, but just in case, I needed to be ready with the backup. Uh, so um, everything seems to be working as normal in terms of uh, restoring iCloud backups from iOS 11 into a new installation of iOS 11, and also um, it seems to be faster than in the past. Uh, but I had a problem with test flight apps. Um, so if you restore a backup. And you have a ton of betas from test flight. Um, they they are not automatically restored. Uh, so even if you even if iOS restores the test flight app, it doesn't re-download the yeah. betas from test flight. It was like this on ten too. And what I found amusing is that I had all of these placeholder icons in the iOS eleven dock. You know, with the, the default icons with the with the white background and the grid. Yeah. Uh, and I had all of these placeholders, and I and I tried to tap on them, and I saw the loading spinner, but then it resulted in in an error message. Um, so you need to open Test Flight, delete the icon placeholders, and re-download the betas manually. Oh, that's so. interesting. I, I think I found in ten. It just leaves an empty space, like there's no placeholder. But when you uh. re-download the application, it puts it where it should be. That's that's how I've had it before. So I don't know. Maybe they've changed it, or maybe it's not completely finished yet on eleven. Yeah. So in the meantime, um, I thought I could buy more or new accessories for my iPad for increased protection. So my old smart cover that I've been using since twenty fifteen uh, has been in very uh, bad shape lately mm-hmm. um, because well, I, I've used it a two, lot. Yeah, and it's it, over two years yeah. old now. About two and years old. Yeah, it was also kind of wiggling, you know, the 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 side where it attaches to the iPad mm-hmm. is not as sturdy as it used to be. So I bought a new one and it's much, uh, it feels better. Uh, like it keeps the iPad more stable. And also I bought the leather sleeve uh, for the 12.9, uh, a black one, which looks great. So now I will carry the iPad with a smart cover into the leather sleeve, which uh, I know that it's not a lot of protection. It's not like a hard case that will prevent. Think it's no protection, but yeah, it's no protection. <laughs> but at least it will prevent the back from scratching. Sure, you know? mm-hmm. and it looks so nice. It looks nice, and it keeps the pencil in place. So um, that's something I really didn't want to have a hard case. Also, the leather sleeve for the twelve point nine is a is a life hack. If you have a slippery table or desk, you can, I, I'm actually putting the Magic Keyboard and the iPad on top of the leather sleeve, yeah. and I'm using it as a typing pad. I think that's part so. of what it's for, you know, honestly. Like, it's it's like a desk. It reminds me of a desk set, um, yeah. like a pen, and like you'd have like a, a leather area you'd put on a desk, which would be a writing area. Like, I honestly think that this is part of what they were they were envisioning of the usage of this this sleeve is that it, you wouldn't take your stuff out of it and then put it back in your bag. You take your stuff out and put it on top, and you yeah. use it as like a nice nice area for your desk. Yeah, and it looks really nice. The black one, uh, the leather, well, uh, looks really nice. I'm sorry this happened to you, Federico, and I hope that you can get to the bottom of it. Um, I I don't think I'll ever have an answer to this how how it happened. Um, but it's definitely like it. it, it I will 
pay a lot more attention to um, make sure that I don't put too much stuff into my bag that would maybe put you know a lot of pressure onto the iPad, and yeah. also like uh, absolutely I will not uh, keep the iPad. Um, keep the bag near or below uh, other bags as we're traveling you know maybe um i also thought maybe you know when we were packing the car for the trip maybe something like that happened so i will pay a lot more attention to make sure you know because it's a thousand euro device and yes yeah, it's, no it's, it's no joke and it you know uh, so i i gotta take better care of it and clearly this time i did something uh that was not uh on the level of care and that that, that I should that I should uh, use for the iPad. All right, today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Text Expander from Smile. You can communicate smarter with Text Expander. You can use Text Expander to power through repetitive communication by standardizing and improving those written replies that you send every single day. With Text Expander, you can recall your best and most frequently used words by creating a keyboard shortcut, then letting Text Expander pull in the phrases that you need. For example, you can easily set up snippets for maybe your email signature, an introductory greeting that you use when you speak to somebody new or maybe when you're emailing a new client, or maybe even a fillable template to help you take notes during a meeting. You just trigger off a keyboard shortcut. You'll get some fill-ins that you can put in, and then you're ready to go. Text Expander can also help you collaborate more efficiently in tools like Slack with text snippets, automatically press the tab key for you in a web browser or emails, making your workflow even quicker, or make it really easy for you to create text snippets from within your browser. I cannot tell you how important Text Expander is to me. Whenever I go on my Mac and I try and use my Mac and Text Expander isn't there, I think that something's broken. Like it just it just completely ruins everything for me. And all of my apps on iOS, I integrate Text Expander with all of the apps that I write into. That's actually a big thing for me. If I'm going to be using a writing app that doesn't um, have a way to enable the Text Expander library, I get very upset. I know you can use the keyboard, but because I use a hard like a physical keyboard a bunch, I like to be able to have an application that can have it built right in. And there are so many apps that are integrated with Text Expander on iOS, so the snippets are just built right into the application. If you spend any amount of your day typing, you need to try Text Expander. Get it for free for 30 days on Mac, iPad, iPhone, or Windows. Go to textexpander.com slash connected to start your free trial today. We'd like to thank Text Expander for their support of this show. So, Federico, according to the Wall Street Journal, Apple is planning to spend $1 billion over the next year on original content, which could be to fund up to 10 new shows. When I saw the headline for this, I was like, okay, that makes sense. But then when I saw it was a year and they want to make 10 shows, that is incredibly ambitious. I mean, it's easy. Planner of the apps, planner of the books, planner of the podcasts. <laughs> Planet of the music. Just all of just, them. It sounds, just sounds go great. with it. I mean, it's easy. Luckily, <laughs> luckily, this report is saying that Apple is attempting to try and match the quality of HBO shows, mm. which is definitely a different approach to the current efforts that they have been putting out because they have been making kind of crappy reality. I mean, and that was probably the uh the idea right like that 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 they knew planet they knew what planet of the apps and carpool karaoke would be kind of like just popcorn reality shows they haven't done very well i think obviously they were hoping for them to be reviewed better than they have been but this is a huge contrast to attempting to try and match hbo level content 
Yeah, and what I find interesting is the bigger trend of which, if this report is accurate, it seems like Apple is going to be part of, of everybody's doing their own thing. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, Netflix is doing their own original programming. I've been doing it successfully so for a while. Amazon, HBO. Now Disney apparently is going to do its own network. Um, And now Apple is going to do even more of this. YouTube, of course. Yeah. It looks like... We try to move away from, you know, TV and all of these different bundles of, you know, uh, especially in the US with cable, you got to choose all your different channels. And now we're basically ending up with the same situation elsewhere. Now uh, there's Apple, there's Netflix, there's HBO, and eventually we're going to have another bundle, but from internet stuff. Um so do we? Re- I, I want to know: Do we really want to subscribe to ten different programming services? No. And I think what the differentiator here is, and what maybe puts Apple in a in a, if they actually do. So let's assume that everybody's doing great content, uh, and that's already a tall order for Apple considering their previous efforts. But let's assume Apple, Netflix, HBO—they're all on the same level of quality. Um, what? Where's the advantage? Uh, for Apple. And I think having customers already on board with your services, whether it's iCloud or iTunes, but having customers that have already put into their credit cards into the system, that's an advantage. But we go back to the first condition to be met of, can you actually make great content? Because if you don't, and even if you have millions of credit cards on file, it doesn't matter if you don't give people interesting stuff to watch. Um, which, you know, this is the big question. Can Apple actually make this kind of HBO-level quality programming? And is Apple, you know, even from a political standpoint, can Apple make, you know, stuff like Game of Thrones? Uh, can Apple make, you know, stuff like The Wire uh, or Entourage or whatever hit HBO had in the past? Um, is Apple, you know, uh, culturally speaking, can they make that type of TV show or movie? Um, I, I, I don't know. You know, because they have the money, they have the resources, but you got to be fully on board with the idea of, you know, adult content, for example, you know, adult themes. Mm -hmm. And I struggle to see, you know, the almost family-friendly Apple doing that type of stuff. I think they're only going to do this if they do that. Like, I I think that they are only going to put this money into these shows and try and attract this, that audience, that HBO audience. Mm. If they're willing to do this, I, I my assumption would be that they are fine with it. They sell this content, right? Um, my my assumption is it won't be like heavily Apple branded, right? They might just be like, you know, you get the stinger at the beginning, you know, where it says like Apple TV or whatever it's going to be called, the service. <laughs> and it's going to be TV. <laughs> it's going to be TV and, shows about, for example, uh, Apple's version of Narcos is called Apple Drugs and Apple <laughs> <laughs> Planet of the Drugs. <laughs> Uh, I, I think it, I, I do think that they're gonna they will they will do that stuff. I, I do because I mean this is they sell it right. You can buy all this stuff. You can buy it in the in the iTunes store. Um, I, I know that it's not been the way that they've been in the past, but they've never made content before. And I feel like if they want to make if they want to make really good content, they have to make 
content that is at least some of the stuff, some some of their 10 shows are going to have more adult themes because in dramas and stuff like that, that's what people want to see, right? They want to see violence. They want to see nudity. Like this is just a thing, right? It's why yeah. Game of Thrones is so popular. It's why Breaking Bad is so popular. Like all of these shows, because they have a lot of this stuff in them because it helps tell a wider story, which is what people are interested in. So I want to put the, this amount, this $1 billion into a little bit of context. So HBO spent two billion last year, but Netflix is expended expected sorry to spend six billion this year. So to start off with one billion dollars seems like I think a pretty good budget. Ten shows maybe is too many, um, mm. but a billion dollars that seems possible considering what their competitors are doing. I mean, you know, Netflix are fully entrenched in this now. Like there are new Netflix series all the time, new movies. Um, every time I go on Netflix, there's something I've never heard of before. So six billion seems about right for that, right? Like they have. I have no idea how many things they have, and they have things in different languages, in different countries, in different regions. So I think $1 billion is probably a good starting point for them. Do you think Apple is doing this because they couldn't figure out a way to offer what they call like a skinny bundle of multiple services together and earn revenue off the markup of that bundle? So no. they were like, you know... Uh, or do you think it's just Apple saying we actually do need to make our own stuff because yes. it's better for lock-in? Okay. I think it's better you know, it's better for lock-in and if they actually want to sell people a service, they want to like sell them, sell people a service and make money from it, right now, if you're doing that type of thing in video, the way that you do that is by creating original content. Right? I think that is clear now, right? Like Because you look at their competitors. Netflix and Amazon tried to do this, to take content and sell it, right? So take existing content and sell it in a digital form, right? Like that was the idea. Um, mm -hmm. And they have ended up saying, oh, actually, the real money is in making mm -hmm. our own content because that means people, if we have the, if we have the must see show, that's what it's all about, right? Like you have the must see show, everyone's going to sign up for your service, like no matter what, right. because they need to see that show. Um, like, for example, in the UK, lots and lots and lots of people signed up for Netflix because it was how we got Breaking Bad. Hmm. It was, there was yep. no other way to get it. Netflix had the rights in the UK, which, and it would be like the morning after it was on in the US, we would have it. And that, you know, so like everybody signed up because it was the must see show, you know, and there are great shows, right? Like, um, I really enjoyed glow on Netflix recently, which I really thoroughly recommend to people, you know, like stuff like arrested development, people will sign up for that. I, um, transparent, uh, Adina loves transparent. So we will always keep our prime membership for stuff like, you know, th there are shows on these services that are fantastic and people sign up for them. But my question to you, Federico, is this all going to be in Apple music? I <laughs> sure hope. Up not. Uh, I don't think they should. I think it would be a really bad branding decision to put all of this in Apple yeah, Music. It just um, doesn't make any sense. I mean, I can kind of see Carpool Karaoke. Uh, yeah. I, I watched the first episode and I think, I think it was fine. Uh, and I think that kind of makes sense. You know, as, a mu as an extension to music, uh, it's fine. But anything else is really stretching it. Uh, I would rather see Apple, uh, you know, integrate everything into the TV app or maybe rename the app, but the idea of let's just put everything together into a single video application or video network or video service, whatever. I think that makes more sense than, you know, sure, people pay for a Apple Music subs subscription, but necessarily 
that doesn't imply let's put video and movies and TV shows into music. Um, so I'm run, um, I'm curious to see if Apple is gonna either split up the subscriptions or offer maybe uh, an Apple bundle. That is, you get iCloud, you get Apple Music, you get Apple Video. Um, you know, yeah. I can I can kind of see that. Apple Video, do you think that'd be the name? And I don't think they're gonna call it Apple TV, right? Which would have been the obvious thing. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. Uh, what what are they gonna call it? Uh, Apple Video. Uh, Anything. Knows, whatever it is. Yeah. Apple something. Uh, Apple, Apple content. <laughs> Apple Originals. Or maybe that. Um, Apple Originals is a good name. That's Unless a good they, name. they do plan on trying to have a Netflix model in the future, right? Where they as well have other stuff. I think that would be ideal for them. I mean, that's, that's something they've clearly tried to do. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if whenever this is announced, it's both things. You know, some select partners put their content on Apple's service and they also have original shows. Because the thing is, you can't sell this. Right? Like, if you have two original shows ready to go, that is not a $10 a month service to pay for. There has to be more there, right? So, like, I wondered if maybe for a while, like, it was just free with Apple Music or something like that. Or so, you know, if you already subscribed to Apple Music, you also get the original shows. Or they do something where they're working with a few providers to have a bunch of old catalog content and some stuff like that. Because I think that's a real hard sell to be like, hey, we're going to have 10 new shows this year. Two of them are available now. Please give us $15 a month. Mm. You know? Mm. Because yeah. there's not going to be enough content to sustain a monthly fee. So there's got to be more to it. And, and I wonder what that will end up looking like. Well, imagine if maybe... And I realized that could entirely disrupt, you know, Netflix, in, at least in terms of back catalog. Uh, but Depends what they get, though. Yeah, but imagine if what happened to the iTunes store for music with Apple Music happened to the iTunes store for movies and TV shows, but with That's another the subscription. That's the dream, but nobody's going to get them. Yeah. They're not going to get that. Because I, I've, you know, I've, I've held on to this thought for a long time. Apple kind of... They really upended the music industry in a way that I think the music industry wasn't happy with, right? Which ended up with subscription services, which mm-hmm. do not pay as much money as when people used to just straight up buy music. I do not think the TV and movie industry will want to go that route, like to give Apple that control, because it what will probably happen is exactly what happened to the music industry, and nobody will pay full price for anything anymore. We'll just all use subscriptions. Um, so, I mean, I would be really, really surprised. I mean, I know that there are a bunch of individual players and stuff, but Apple is at a scale that they could literally change everything in, in any industry that they move into. And I would be surprised if the movie and TV industry were just like, yeah, go for it. Mm-hmm. Did you see the, the rumor from, I think it was Bloomberg a few days ago, that um, movie studios uh, have been talking and considering with Apple um, a way to... Um, offer new movies a few days after they hit the theaters at a premium price hmm. uh, to stream or download, like thirty to fifty dollars. But if a movie comes out on like Friday or Monday, you can buy the movie. Um, and obviously, I would the, love that. Yeah, obviously the the theater, the cinema associate association, whatever in all in Hollywood. I I don't know the name. Uh, is super against. Well, yeah, obviously, obviously. And but apparently, I think the the movie studios were uh, they they've been thinking about something like this for a while. You know, to yeah. give people who want to spend the money but don't want to go to the theater. You know, 
Sylvia and I, for example, we have two puppies. And right now it would be a problem to go to the theater at night and to leave two puppies at home. Um, and honestly, for new movies that I want to watch in good quality, um, I, you know, for a movie that I've been anticipating for a while, you know, every once in, you know, not every single week, but I wouldn't mind paying 25 to $30 well, for like, that movie. That's how much it costs to go to the cinema, right? Like, that's yeah, how much also, it costs. So... You know, I would totally pay that. I would totally yeah. pay that to watch it at home. Because, you know, I, I have a good TV setup. I like my sofa. You know, I, I would do that. I would totally <laughs> do this. I would totally yeah. do this. So, I don't know. Maybe there's a future where uh, there's a combination of all these. Uh, back catalog stuff from iTunes Store, new originals from Apple, and maybe even movie exclusives. Uh, and I could see Apple. I could see Apple doing great with that type of service, but I feel like the the core proposition of that, which is the originals, it highly depends on Apple coming up with great ideas. Um, and you know, unless we consider Planet of the Apps a TV show, um, we really don't have any TV shows from Apple. Um, we only have you know web series. Uh, yeah. Such as Carpool Karaoke adapted to Apple Music, and we have a reality TV show, which I think it's fair to say kind of you know fell flat and didn't have any kind of meaningful meaningful impact. You know, I'm wondering um, how many people are actually watching it. You know, I would I would I'd be so to curious know. to know the numbers because there's a part of me that's like, do more people listen to Connected than watch Planet of the Apps? <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, there's pro- we're probably never, ever going to We're never going to know. Gonna know. Unless somebody out there can tell me. I would love to know. But uh, it doesn't se- Honestly, Federico, it doesn't seem like an impossibility. Because I, I cannot imagine who is watching this. Because the type of person that would watch this has no interest in it. Right? Like, people that yeah. listen to these shows, they're, in theory, should be the target market for a show about apps. But it's, it's not done in a way that appeals to them. So I would be but, uh, but, uh, super interested to find that information out. What it just feels like Apple stopped pushing new episodes in terms of marketing and like on Twitter and elsewhere. Like uh, it feels I, I don't even know if it ended the series. Uh, like is it still I, going on? I, I have know. no idea. I feel no like idea. every time I go to the App Store, there's some kind of promotion going on, but I have no idea if it means the show's still running. I think that yeah. they're aware that it's not doing well. I mean, you know, if, if, for example, episode one and episode two, if the number's, like, tanked, you know it's not doing well, so there's no point. It gets to a certain point, you're like, okay, we just need to finish the season. Like, this failed, yeah. we need to finish the season to save face, but clearly we're not going to win people back, right? Like, I, I've i had this sort of stuff with stuff I've done in the past, right? Like, it's, there's a thing. You know, you, you know that if, like, you have half a million people, like, watch the first one, and then you have 50,000 people you know it's bombed, and there's just no way you can recover from that. Pe- people yeah. clearly don't like it. Yeah, you know, it's not like a TV show where like people say, "Hey, it kind of starts slow, but if you if you stick with the first four episodes, then it gets real good, and it, and you got like four seasons of it." Uh, you know, for example, uh, Sylvia and I years ago we struggled to get through the first two episodes of Mad Men. and for many many years we didn't watch Mad Men mm-hmm. until we this we we heard from many of our friends. And we decided to stick with the first two episodes and then it kind of clicked for us. And we had like five seasons to watch. And uh, it's not like Plan of the Apps. People will be like, hey, you know, the first 10 episodes are terrible, but if you stick with it, then it gets real good. It's like there's a huge plot twist halfway through the season. 
Well, I am is killed off. Like the the escalator <laughs> comes for him. <laughs> That's not gonna be the case. So uh, yeah, uh, I don't think it, we'll ever see a Planet of the Apps season two. You know, Vida in the chat room just said that they uploaded the final episode this week. Okay, so it's done. So it's done. Yeah. Uh, no, no spoilers, please. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> sound, sound the spoiler horn, Mike. So we're gonna spoil the ending of Planet of the Apps. Oh gosh! It turns out there were no apps all along. Gary <laughs> Gary V turns into a vampire. That's what the V stands for. Eric Q come comes on, unplugs all of the mechs, does a little and dance, it's like, uh, and it's like all the apps belong to me now. I can't wait to and do he- it. <laughs> this episode is also brought to you by FreshBooks freelancers, contractors, self-employed individuals. If I told you you could get 192 hours of your precious time back this year, would you do it? Well, FreshBooks can help you do that. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. Our friends at FreshBooks make the cloud accounting software for freelancers that's so ridiculously easy to use, they can help give you all of that time back. When you email a client an invoice for FreshBooks, they can show you whether they've seen it. So you get a nice little breakdown on the invoice to show you when it was sent, when it was opened, and even stuff like when it was printed and if they come back to the invoice again you see a new date on it that's really useful for me because i will send an invoice to someone i know they've seen it and then i'll see it again when it's going through their billing cycle because they open it up again and they print it like maybe two or three weeks later and i'm like great i don't need to chase this person i know they're looking at it one other thing about the chasing which i really like you know people they pay on their own schedules everybody has a an accounting schedule in their company and with FreshBooks, it shows you the average time it takes for each of your clients to pay you. This is really inf- just like a really useful piece of information for me so I know whether I need to chase up with somebody. FreshBooks can also automate those late payment email reminders to make it even easier for you so you spend way less time chasing payments. FreshBooks may have over 10 million users, but they've managed to stay a pretty small company, which is why Forbes, on their best small companies list this year, called FreshBooks their small giant. If you're listening to this and you're not yet using FreshBooks, now is the time to try because they are offering a 30-day free trial for listeners of this show with no credit card required. Just go to freshbooks.com slash connected and enter connected in the how did you hear about us section. I'd like to thank FreshBooks for their support of this show and also for making my daily life a lot easier because I use their service and I love it. So go check it out, freshbooks.com slash connected. Thank you to FreshBooks for their support. All right, Federico, I want to talk briefly about the essential phone which is the iphone right this is the the iphone is the essential phone that is correct <laughs> and it's edge to edge and there's only they're not just smaller than we imagined okay let's move mm. on no the essential phone um is a company is is a phone made by a company called essential yeah um and yeah. this is andy rubin's company and essential are making a few things uh with they're making a few different products and they're hoping to kind of build a layer a software layer between all of them you know they want to they want to become the next big ecosystem so uh, I have watched uh, The Verge's review by Dieter Bone, which is fantastic, by the way. I really thoroughly recommend you go watch the video. I'll put a link in the show notes to the review. The video is right at the top of the page. You should watch it. It's brilliant. They, they did a really good job yeah. of it. But I wanted to talk about the phone itself. So I think I think this phone looks fantastic. Like I'd, I don't know how you could look at this phone today with all of the modern trends of hardware design and not want it. Right, like I think it looks 
beautiful. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, it it looks really, really nice. And the only point that I, that people could bring up is that it's not full edge to edge in that there's a small bezel at the bottom. Mm-hmm. But honestly, right now, in this very moment, I think it's the best looking phone on the market. Yeah, I think it is currently my favorite hardware design available. Like, which yeah. it's not the Samsung off the top of the list. Um, I really, really love the look of the S8, but this thing it just looks fantastic, and it has a bunch of other little parts. Like, there is no branding at all on the phone. Yeah, nothing. Um, and there's no camera bump, and it is it has a cer- black ceramic back, and yep. it looks it just looks fantastic. And the fingerprint sensor is yep. in the in yes. a reasonable position. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love that part of the review. But yeah, that's true. It's, it's right in the center on the back, not like level with the camera on the right and left, right hand side of the phone, like it is on the Samsung, which is just bad design. But I wanted to ask you, Federico, so there was a notch on this phone, right? There's a notch for the camera, but it's really small. And I wondered, you know, if we look at what we think we know about the iPhone and comparing it to this phone, what do you think's better, small notch or big notch? Um. I think what helps the essential phone look great is the fact that the interface wraps around the notch. Yeah. Um, and that you see this wallpaper um, sort of going into the notch. And so you, you get this cyclopi in the middle, but it doesn't really matter because Android doesn't put useful, useful stuff in there. And you get the inter- indicators uh, like the status bar and notifications at the sides. So I think it looks real good. Yeah, I bet it's really easy to just forget and not even see the little camera. Exactly, exactly. And instead, if Apple is... Uh, it depends because if Apple is going to embrace the notch, it'll be more noticeable uh, than yep. the essential form because it's got more sensors. Or is Apple going into the in the opposite direction and they're going to sort of use the OLED display with the... Uh, you know, with a black uh, color in the in the notch uh, to sort of blend everything together and make a old school black status bar. Um, does that look better? Does that look worse? Um, I don't know. Right now, I think you know it mostly comes down to the software, and I think from a software standpoint, the essential folks did a great job. Uh, because it, I totally believe, uh, you know, the Verge when they say that you don't notice the, the the camera mm-hmm. notch in there. I totally believe that because it it's very unassuming. I think it's very, you know, it kind of it, everything blends into the interface, which I appreciate. And um, I think this is why a lot of people are curious to see what Apple does with the iPhone Pro. Um, uh, you know, how can you sort of hide that strip full of sensors? Because, I mean, nobody wants to have, you know, uh, especially now that we have this edge-to-edge displays, nobody wants to have sensors getting in the way. So it's all in, it's all in how you fake, you know, yeah. hiding them. You, how you, is it you, embraced? You, is it either embraced yeah. with, it, like, hiding it, or is it embraced with yep. finding a way to make the UI work with it? Like, that's, exactly. that's the part of it that's important. And what Essential have done makes a lot of sense for Android because they're running stock, basically stock Android. So it's going to just be, it's not accounting for the fact that there's a cutout in the display. So they've made the cutout as small as they possibly can. And there's some interesting stuff there, right? Like, they have a speaker, they and I'm sure they have some sensors in there, and they've just found ways to embed them or hide them. 
And this makes sense, you know, based on a lot of the conjecture about why this iPhone is going to be a singular model and difficult to make, like, you know, because it's hard to make a scale, right? Like to, to really push the envelope. But the essential phone is not being made at large scale. They said that, like, they expect this to be a small scale production. It's already been delayed. And that's probably because they're maybe pushing the envelope in some different ways, right? Maybe maybe this is a more difficult phone to manufacture, but that's okay because they don't need to make a gabillion of them. So. What do you think that edge-to-edge displays are uh, becoming a trend, especially this year? Yeah. Do, do you think it's just a natural evolution of our taste? Like, we've been using smartphones for years now they become part of ourselves of course we want to see as much you know screen as possible or do you think there was a particular technology or uh, supply chain change like in the manufacturing process adopted at scale between different companies that allowed for these phones to start coming out so i would say it's probably a little column a a little column b I think that it makes sense to have wide, bigger screens, and I would expect that it started to become more and more technically possible to do it, right? Like, the, you, you the, the technology became available, so then they started to appear, right? So, like, I think the first one everyone saw was, uh, was it the Xiaomi Mi Mix? And as soon as everybody saw that phone, it was like, well, now we need it. Like, everybody yep. wants edge to edge. So then all, you know, and then more and more phones started coming out. So I expect that it's like technology enabled this. Phone manufacturers started doing it. It then becomes the trend. So now everybody wants it. Because why would you not want a bigger screen on the phone size you already have? Like, why would you not? I don't understand why somebody wouldn't want that. You know, like, if, if you can put a bigger screen into the current phone that you have, how how can that be a bad thing? Mm. Like, I, I'm sure that there are edge cases. I'm sure, of course. But for the vast majority of people, why would, why would you not want that? And especially when, like, for a lot of these phones, you can actually end up with a physically smaller phone with a bigger screen. Like, uh, th- th- how yeah. is that not a win? I, I think, so I totally agree with you. I think for some people, there's an element of... Um, the more we replace physical parts and physical buttons with software versions, there's an element of this thing is going to fail sooner or later because software gets bugs, software gets stuck, whereas physical buttons have a sense of reassurance that they will work better over time. Yeah, but we, know? before the screens got big, we already started losing physical buttons. You know, That's true, but this feels more extreme, and I think yeah. some people have that concern. I understand that. I mean, and of course, what else are we losing? Now, with the iPhone, we may lose Touch ID. So yep. it's like, well, is that a good thing? We won't know yet. But yeah, I, I, I do think that this is just a, like, it's it's a trend. And the trend, mm-hmm. and I think it's a good trend. I don't think it's a fad. I think this is the next yeah. evolution of yeah. phone design. Bigger oh, screens. Yeah. Like, let's get rid of all the, the bezels. Let's, let's let's push these phones to the, to the limit. I think it's a yeah. good thing. Totally. Uh, uh, so what's the deal with the... With the camera on this phone. So the original review models of the Essential Phone, apparently the camera was was terrible. Then they pushed a software update, um, which fixed a lot of the problems. But the camera is considered to be not as good as what is currently available, especially because there is a lot of seriously legitimate competition now in the camera space. The iPhone, the Galaxy S8, and the Pixel 2 all arguably take good as good pictures of each other and excel in different areas and if you're not on that level 
you have a bad camera now because there are three phones right at the top of the tree that are all considered to be excellent. If you're not excellent, then you're not good enough. And it seems like that the camera on the essential phone is in that like is in that little hole. Like it's not it's not good enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that is that is clearly a problem. And because cameras are one of the most important things on a smartphone because it's also everybody's camera. So it's like you're saying, well, we're going to give you a camera, but it's not going to be a good camera. Like that, that's, <laughs> that's not how it works anymore. Like your smartphone is your camera for, for like ev- everybody, right? Like everybody takes pictures with their smartphone, whether they have a camera or not. So everybody wants that camera to be good. And if it's not, if you can buy a phone, which is an expensive phone, a premium phone, and there are better cameras available than the phone you've just bought in phones that already exist, that's not good. And and I think that is going to be a problem for this phone. And and it's something that would, whilst I look at this phone and I would, if I was an Android user, I would be dying to get one of these. I would really like, that's where I would pause for thought, right? Like, is this what I want? Especially when this phone is debuting at a tricky time. Now, I would expect they did this purposely because they wanted to be first out of the gate. But the Pixel 2, the Note 8, and the iPhone 8 are all just around the corner. The Note 8, I think, is announced next week. Right, like Everybody knows this. The Note 8 is coming next week, and, and all of the leaks make it look like it's going to be incredible too. Right, It's edge-to-edge, but bigger. Like <laughs> It's probably going to be fantastic. The Pixel 2 is around the corner. This one's a little weird, the Pixel 2. All of the leaks are telling some very strange stories. So I'll put a link in the show notes to an, uh, a post on Android Authority so you can get a grab for it if you want to. But just very ba- very basically, the Pixel 2, the regular one, all of the leaks are suggesting it's basically going to look like the current Pixel phones. But yep. the Pixel XL 2, the bigger one, will be edge-to-edge and have a, a more striking design. Very hmm. strange. So... Hmm. They're going to have two models, but they're not going to look the same. Basically, what Apple wants to do with the iPhones this year, too? Like, yep. uh, the old look and the oh, new yeah. look? Okay. Huh, I hadn't tied those two things together. Yes, that's exactly what they're trying to do. But they're only going to have the mm. two, right? So they're going to they're gonna update yeah. their line, and it looks like they're going to change one of them a lot significantly from a, from, a visible, from a visual perspective, and the other not too much. But yeah, so we've got mm. that. And then the iPhone, like, it's all around the corner. I think this is going to be a struggle for them. But I bet that they do okay. I bet that they sell what they want to because then then I don't think they're looking for huge huge volumes. They look this is like to try and help them get a like a a leg up. Which you know what this reminds me of this model Tesla. This is how Tesla started, right? They made the Roadster, which was a really cool electric sports car, which helped them get a leg up. It helped bring some money into the company, and then they went ahead and started making some fantastic cars. So. I hope that this is a good thing for him. I, I hope that Andy Rubin and the Essential team are in this for the long haul and that they could become serious competition because if this is what you can do for your first phone, I mean, can you imagine the, yeah. the later things that this company could be able to produce if this is your first attempt? It's incredibly impressive. Yeah. I mean, if this is not like something that they did to be acquired as sort of a demonstration of their talent and skills if they are actually in this for the long term that's what he's saying right like this is he wants to build a huge big company now so i hope that they can do it yeah me too because you know uh, if there's someone who can do it it's definitely andy rubin you know yeah he has Uh, the track record yeah 
Well, we'll see. We'll see. Today's show is also brought to you by Encapsula. They have the website security tools and the content delivery network that you need to make your website safer, faster, and more reliable. Over 100,000 organizations trust Encapsula every single day. This is from huge companies in the Fortune 500 to people that just are a one-man, one-person, one-woman shop who have their own website and they just want to make sure that everything's secure. It doesn't matter who you are. Encapsula can help protect you. They have everything that you need to make your website fast, even when there's something bad going on behind the scenes. If you're having some kind of attack, some kind of DDoS going on, Encapsula will help you make sure it's protected. Your website will load perfectly. Your visitors will never even know that something's going wrong. They back it up with a 24-7 operations team, and they have the best service level agreement in the business of personal account management. Encapsula have got you covered. You're going to be well protected, and your site will remain lightning fast at all times. As a listener of this show, get one whole month of service for free just by going to Encapsula.com slash connected. That's I-N-C-A-P-S-U-L-A dot com slash connected. This is where you'll find out more about Encapsula service and also claim your free month. We'd like to thank Encapsula for the continued support of this show and Relay FM. So Apple have released a bunch of iOS 11 how-to videos. Peculiar time to release them, do you think? Like, why now? A bit early. Um, so I've been thinking about this, and I think it has to be part of a bigger marketing push. Um of Apple wants to start early uh, before uh, they have to focus and switch gears to talk about the iPhones. So um, maybe it's best to create I some anticip- anticipation, you know, in iPad users now rather than sort of, you know, waiting for the iPhone and then saying, oh, by the way, there's also the iPad. Um, and also, it's interesting to me how they're also pushing a lot of the productivity stuff now, uh, you know, the videos that they've done, um, the, uh, I mean, we can talk about them, but the features that they selected, uh, they are, you know, trying to explain some really practical things to people. They're not like talking about new music app or, you know, control center changes. They're yeah. talking about stuff like files and drag and drop, which is interesting in a, in a marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have six six videos, and these are what they focus on. One focuses on the dock. One is one is about pencil markup. One is about files. One is about multitasking. One is about drag and drop, and one is about notes improvements. And what I love about them, they look cool. They have a really cool look about them visually. There's like good pastel colors. I love the pastel colors stuff. Whoever's yeah. doing that, just please keep doing it. They all have like these funny props in them. Uh, they have fantastic, hilarious narration, which is so dry. I love it. Um, it's this is this is like everything I love about Apple advertising is in, is encapsulated in this. This is it, right? They, this is what I love about their current style. They do a really, really great job. I think I know that you would agree. This is one hundred percent the right thing for Apple to be doing right now. iOS eleven is an iPad Pro release. That's what it is, right? Like primarily, that's what's going on here. All the features that they that they are adding are for this. The story will change when iOS eleven is released and things like the AR apps and stuff start coming out, and we'll see what the third party piece is. But from the what is Apple doing? What is the what are the public facing features that Apple are creating? It's iPad Pro stuff. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the story will change too much. I mean, of course, there will be AR apps, but uh, if you if you try to 
like do this uh, sort of exercise. Uh, think of all the iOS releases, and for each one of them, uh, what do you associate with them? Um, and so you would say iOS 9 was the iPad release, um, and there were iPhone changes, but most people remember the iPad stuff. iOS 10 was iMessage and Apple Music, um, and Control Center <laughs> switching to Pages. And I think iOS 11 will be remembered as the iPad release, and of course, yes, AR apps. Um, but I think in terms of uh, changes to the OS, uh, this is clearly an iPad focused release. If, if you look at the Apple website, if you look at the marketing material that they've put together, even if you look at the developer documentation, most of the stuff is on the iPad. Um, and you can tell that some of these yep. features have been in the works for a while because they're surprisingly so polished yeah. and, and, and rich. You know, it's, it's not like Apple started to work on this in November. Something that I <laughs> of keep 2016. reminding myself is as much as I'm loving iOS 11, I haven't even got the ability to take advantage of it completely yet. Like drag and drop uh -huh. and files... I'm not even using mm -hmm. them because most of uh -huh. the apps that I use, they have like a super clunky implementation of drag and drop because it's just baked in stuff from UIKit or whatever, right? Like it's just the basic mm -hmm. implemented tools. Yeah. Like for example, I can drag a URL into the Chrome address bar, but then mm -hmm. I have to tap the address bar and press enter. Right. Like, right. So, you know, right. Like, there are things that are like a little bit wonky. So like I'm not using it very much right now, but that and like the ability to use files, like I, I'm already loving just taking something, saving it to iCloud Drive, and then pulling it in from an email app. I can't even right. imagine what it's going to be like when I have all of my document services in files. Like, mm -hmm. I'm so excited for this, for everything mm -hmm. to come out, all the apps to start updating. Please, please, everybody, mm -hmm. all developers, please update quickly. Please, please, so, please. <laughs> I think what you, what you will realize, and, uh, and of course uh, now I'm in a different position because I've, I've been testing all of these apps for the review and for Mac stories, but the general sense is um, it feels like every single part of, of iOS is better connected together. Uh, and not just in the sense like when, when iOS 8 came out, for example, uh, we got extensions and it felt like, oh, well, now things can talk to each other. Um, but it feels even more liberating than that. Like you, you have control this time. You can, you can pick stuff up and move it around. And with files, I've been trying a few of these files providers. And when you, when you save stuff into files, so you have a unified place, but then those documents are also displayed into the dedicated apps, you know, that have the, the files integration. It feels like, well, now this is awesome because I'm saving a document into files, but it's actually going everywhere. And it's, it's a different way of working on iOS. And so if developers update quickly, this, uh, like every year, this is the main point. Uh, for this stuff to be useful, there has to be wide developer adoption. Um, and I have no doubt that, you know, a few months from now, we'll be complaining about someone who's still not, you know, uh, taking advantage of iOS 11, uh, such as Google, for example. Um, I'm sure there will be these instances of developers who are slow to adopt iOS 11. But once you try this stuff... Uh, you know, from drag and drop to the to the slide over, you know, three apps at once, um, you you cannot really go back to iOS 10. Um, I, if you haven't listened to Canvas, uh, Fraser and I had this discussion last week um, of being a visual person on iOS, so taking advantage of stuff like multi-touch and all of these different touch-based interactions versus being more of a... Uh, I think CGP Grey calls it being a summoner of like invoking things 
via search or from the keyboard. And so there was that, that I think Frisian and I sort of came to an understanding about the differences that iOS 11 um, made us realize that we have. Uh, I'm more of a touch person and Fraser is more of a keyboard person. And so I think it'll be interesting to see on iOS 11 with drag and drop how many people actually use it. Um, because not so. I think there's a percentage of iOS users who still use iPads as uh, desktop computers in the sense of we have a smart keyboard, we have Spotlight, I want to search for stuff. And there's other folks, maybe, you know, Mike is more, you're more similar to me from this point of view. We actually like to touch stuff on the screen. Yeah, we use I the have keyboard. this weird kind of sitting in the middle of the two of you, where yeah, I, I really yeah. like to use Spotlight to open applications, but once the app and stuff is open, or the document is open, I'm all hands, right? Like, I'm, yeah. my hands are, you know, so I, I have this kind of mix, like, I use the keyboard all the time, I always have the keyboard, like, open, that's how an iPad works for me now, but I love to use the touch stuff, too. Yeah, yeah, so these this changes that Apple is advertising in, in the commercials and, you know, the developers can now integrate with these new features. Um, they will be, you know, ch- it will be interesting to talk about them a couple of months from now, maybe in October, after iOS 11 has launched, after some developers have adopted the these integrations. Um, because I, I think there will be differences between the ways that we work on iOS uh, and especially the ways that we work on the iPad. Um, I'm sure there will be folks who say, you know, even if I can drag and drop stuff, I still prefer to copy items to the clipboard and to use extensions because it just feels like a, like I don't have to touch as much. I don't have to constantly swipe across the screen. Um, but personally, um, I'm like 100% on board, on board with drag and drop and files and all these different ways of moving things around. Um, I feel like I have more control of iOS. Like, yes, I I know I know that it takes longer to open the apps into multitasking with the dock, right? Like, I know it takes longer for in some instances, right? Because or like you feel like you're doing more because you're pressing and you're dragging it. But I love the feeling of doing that. I I, I like dragging an app over another app, seeing it, and then like it pops into play. Like, I love that feeling, but I understand why people don't like it. But I mean, for me, when, with, with the way that I'm looking at iOS through my eyes, I can't see how you could say that this is not an incredible advancement in every respect, but I know that not everybody feels that way. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about iOS 11, I mean, <laughs> we've got to be getting close now, probably. Yeah. I mean, in the earliest three weeks, away would you say i mean at the earliest yeah i think the earliest we're going to see the iphone event is the first week of september which would mean that ios would come out in the second week of september personally personally i'm hoping that the iphone event is in the second week of september because of my travel is ending in the first week and i and i really i really i really don't want the event to be on the fifth because that's the day that I arrive home after flying across the globe. Um, but I'm scared that it's going to be that day. But we'll see. I mean, I'm hoping that the event on the 12th and then iOS comes out kind of maybe on the 20th or the 21st or something like that. But it is possible that it could come out in the, uh, the, the, the second week of September. So that's about three weeks away. I say this because I want to know 
How are the reviewers coming along? Are you have you got through with the introduction yet? Um, <laughs> I have uh, line uh, one written. Um, the yeah, it's busy. I'm still I'm still taking notes. Uh, no, um, <laughs> I've nearly finished those session videos. Yeah, yeah, I'm still I'm still just a couple of left. Uh, um, all the review is all. Uh, uh, written like all the sections the conclusion is done everything is done and actually um we are now we're now started the process of finalizing um chapters mm-hmm. so i've been working with my editor to uh, go through each each chapter uh about i would say five to six times um th- that includes you know actually changing sections uh restructuring things uh, considering the stuff that has changed during the betas, and then moving on to typos and other stylistic changes, refinements, general cleanup, uh, adding links. Uh, and we are now at the point where... Um, uh, so I can say right now that the reviewer probably have 18 chapters, um, and realistically, by the end of this week, I will probably have, I would say, about 12 of them finalized. Uh, as in, I just need to put in the screenshots because, as usual, I will wait for the GMC of iOS to take screenshots and take videos. Probably with the videos, I can get a head start uh, now because, you know, especially uh, with motion, it's it's fine if some detail changes. People are not going to notice the detail in a video, but with a static screenshot, I want to wait for the final seed. Um, so, realistically, by the end of this week, I will probably have the 12 chapters uh, of the right side of my mind map done Um, and basically my plan is for the end of August to have the entire review edited and finalized uh, which would be a considerable um, change from previous years as in I would be really really ahead of schedule uh, because in in previous years I would be at this point, uh, with iOS 9 and iOS 10, I was just coming back from vacation mm. and I still had to write like almost the second half of the review. Instead, right now, on the 20... What day is it, Mike? 21 of August? Um, I'm editing the review and I'm halfway through the edit. Um, so I'm, I feel pretty confident that uh, this year... Being ahead of schedule will allow me to launch a few special additions to review, uh, a few uh, extra things that I haven't done in the past because I never had time. Uh, mm-hmm. This year, the plan all along, the plan was I need to be done earlier so I have time to m- prepare some other extras that I never did in the past. Uh, and I, f- I feel pretty happy with the with the with the status of the of the review so far. Yeah, I mean. It is wild to hear you talking about this, like it, <laughs> as we've been chatting about it, and you're like, "Yeah, no, I'm basically done," because I remember last year, you know, like it was, it was real bad, for you. like it was like oh, yeah? horror. I, see, at I, I don't, I don't remember. Like, what was it in previous years? <laughs> yeah, what was you, it like? Um, not good, not good, Federico is what I'm going to say. You were very tired, I think, a lot of the time, but it really does feel like you have learned from hmm. not necessarily past mistakes but past processes and hmm. you have adapted it and and like strengthened it to this year where you are c- 
significantly ahead of schedule. Significantly. Like, you're maybe too ahead of schedule, right? Like, to have everything written at this point is like, okay, like, that's a lot. You, do you know what I mean? It's like, maybe, maybe I've done too much because things can still change. Mm. But I guess if you've got the yeah, bonds written, um, you can be ready, right? Yeah. Uh, see, I, I had to, to change a couple of things. Um, the notification chapter. So I was right in wanting to wait until the very last moment um, to write the chapter because I knew Apple was going to... Well, it's not like I knew, knew, but I had a pretty strong indication that Apple was going to change things. So I did not write the chapter, which is, uh, uh, you know, I think it's the fourth or fifth chapter in the review. uh, And I just skipped it because I knew there were going to be changes. Uh, But I had still to change things. For example, yesterday... I was editing the design section of the review, and there's a there's a bit in, in the design chapter where I talk about the, the new video player in iOS, and so I had these two paragraphs about the behavior of the volume slider, and from the beta one when I wrote about the that volume slider to beta six, the behavior has changed, and so there were two paragraphs where I was complaining about it, <laughs> and I had to cut them because it you know it changed. Uh, and I had a couple of other instances of these, like, like two to three paragraphs that I had to remove or substantially change. But that's no big deal, uh, because it's not like I have to redo an entire chapter, as it happened in the past, because I didn't know that things would change even in beta 5 or 6. So I definitely did learn from that you know, type of process. Um, but I think this year, um, I, I feel better about where I am at this point in August, I still don't feel completely relaxed mm-hmm. um, and because I, I still feel like I got to learn to manage, you know, manage expectations and also manage stress from this big project. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously, it's three months of my life and three months of my year, of my working year, are dedicated to this project. And so it's very difficult for me to be able to cope with that sort of responsibility and stress uh, because it, it doesn't just affect me, but it affects, you know, for example, you and Steven, uh, it affects, you know, the folks at Mac Stories and also the people in my life that have to accept the fact that I'm busy writing and editing every day in the summer, which is especially yep. problematic because people like to go on vacation. Um, but I feel like this year, the having two weeks for myself in July to work on the review was an amazing help uh, and, and a very welcome change from, from iOS 9 and iOS 10. And also the fact that I have an editor, um, so someone that can follow me along uh, and that can go through each chapter with me multiple times over and over, that's been honestly amazing Mm -hmm. uh, because I don't have to do that by myself. And that was an incredible source of stress in the past that's been now not entirely removed, but considerably adjusted. And that feels great. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. Like yep. to not have to be on to doing it all yourself must just be a fantastic yep. feeling. Yeah, I, and I mean, I just I still gotta I, I still gotta take care of the creative aspect, and I still gotta you know I gotta write and I gotta edit myself, and I gotta take care of everything else, the media, the research, the notes, and the links. But having a second set of eyes and a second opinion during the writing process, during the yeah. you know. Not like in September, I have a draft and I send it off to someone. I'm like, hey, can you tell me what you think? It's like in July and in August, during the, the hot months of the review, you know, when, the, when the, the stuff is actually being made, 
I have someone that can follow me yeah. during this process. And that's great. Is there anything else you want to touch on about the review? Um, so, uh, so far, I, I'm still editing in Ulysses, to my surprise. Yep. Um, I set up this system where um, I'm using filters to keep track of different stages for each chapter. So chapters are split up in sheets. And for the bigger ones, as you can imagine, the iPad chapter, for example, is split up in uh, multiple sheets uh, that are glued together with the glue sheets feature of Ulysses. And I'm using keywords to um, indicate the state of each chapter. So states can be edited, edited with links, done, and another one that relates to the surprises I'm working on. Um, and so I created multiple filters so I can view subsets of my review based on status. So the things that still need to be edited, the things that, are, that need links, and the documents that are done, and the other ones that you know uh, are in a different state also. Uh, and to be able to switch between them, uh, that's great because it, you know, it's not like I always have to scroll a long list of documents. I can yeah. break it up in multiple sets, and that's nice. Uh, eventually, I think once I'm done with the editing, I will, I mean, I will move it to editorial as a single markdown file because that's where I have some workflows to sort of massage the plain text of the review and to <laughs> add some custom syntax. Um, and, you know, I gotta, I gotta run some workflows and some automations to adjust some of the um, markdown text that is exported by Ulysses. So I need to adjust it a little for Mac stories. I need to add custom syntax for the layout. And also, of course, we're working on some, you know, special features for Mac stories, the way that the review will be presented. We have even bigger plans this time, so it's going to be fun. Uh, but definitely, once I'm done with everything, I will move it back into editorial and uh, rely on automation again to fix things, add media, screenshots, animations, you know, videos, um, and I'll probably do one to two, maybe, uh, final complete read-throughs of start to finish the entire review. But um, I'm basically, I would say, 80% done at this point, which is nice, very nice. That is good nice. news, man. That is really, really yeah. good news. I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. Thank you. Um, I'm I'm excited to be done <laughs> with it also. And not in the sense of, oh man, this is, my life is terrible. No, this is awesome that I get to do this every year. But, um, you know, it's a big project and you get to a point where you just want to release it. But it's not done yet. It has, to, it, has to be, it has to be, at least for my standards, perfect. So we'll get there. All right, if you want to find the show notes for this week, head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 156. Um, if you want to find our sponsors, you should go support them. They are awesome. We've got links there. But it's Text Expander, FreshBooks, and Encapsula. Thanks to them for supporting the show. Once more, thank you if you have become a Relay FM member. Go to relay.fm slash membership to find out more and support your favorite shows. We would, of course, really appreciate it if you decide to support Connected. But you can support any show at Relay FM and you will benefit from all of the fantastic bonuses no matter what show you support. If you want to find Federico online, he's at maxstories.net and he's uh, at Fittici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I on Twitter. 
Stephen is at ISMH, and I'll mention again, you should go and check out Liftoff at relay.fm slash liftoff, so you can find uh, their coverage of the eclipse, which is happening, uh, which is why Stephen wasn't here today. Um, and you can find me, I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. We'll be back next time. Actually, I won't be, so we're doing a round robin of vacations right now. <laughs> I won't be here yes. next week. I'm on vacation next week, so it's going to be Stephen and Federico. And then the week after that, I'm planning on being on the show that day, even though I step off of a plane that morning. So you can look forward to a real strange Mike Hurley that day, I think. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes, but uh, I will be back in a couple of weeks. Um, but we'll, the show will be back next week. So until then, goodbye, everybody. Am I not saying goodbye this time, Mike? Of course you can. Why can't you say goodbye? Arrivederci. <laughs>